This is the Gallinach Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, your host for the show. Gallinach Masters Cycling is a global community of 50 years and older cyclists who support each other to love life through riding our bikes. Each week we share inspiring stories from our riders around the world, showcase great places to ride our bikes and give tips to help you get fitter, healthier and more confident on the bike. Welcome everybody to the Gallinac Master Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett. I'm your host for the show. I'm delighted to be with you again and welcome as always Chris Foggin, Coach Foggin, Foggy even. How are you doing Foggy? Yeah, Kiora from New Zealand. Doing well, thank you. Yeah, so let's let's do the usual and compare weather. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> today, so it's, it's actually... I, I haven't been out on the bike. I've done. I've just actually just come in off a turbo session, and I did. I actually was out on the rollers in the garden earlier on this afternoon as well. But it was actually there was actually some blue sky here today. It wasn't pouring rain like it's been for the last week or so. Still a bit chilly, but um, but yeah, felt a lot better seeing some blue sky. How about you? Uh, just to wind everyone up, we're at thirty-one degrees yesterday. We'll be at twenty-eight today. Um. We've actually had to put the air conditioning on in the house because having the windows open didn't make any difference. So uh, we've had to put the, the air con on to cool it down. And it's yeah. that hot, actually. The uh, I've got two adult children who are working on the vineyard, which is opposite our property. And they're home from university working on there and they got sent home from work early yesterday because it was that hot. I'm speechless. Um, I don't know what to, what to say. <laughs> Although, I, I, yeah, having a vineyard next door—that sounds pretty good. That's that's a bit. Yeah. That'd be a bit of a dream for me. I have to say. Well, there's what, a slight anomaly. Yeah, well, a slight flaw in my plan is I don't drink. So. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, I well when I come and visit, I'll drink for two. Then. No, that's uh, right. No that's, worries. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what? What wine do they? What do they do there? It's actually, um, it's supposed to be the biggest uh, Pinot Noir vineyard in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh. It's massive. I mean, it's it's just huge. It's a multi-million dollar um, operation. And it's owned by lots of different people, uh, obviously a conglomerate, but it's um, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal to see it. just just these hillsides full, and full, full of um, vines. Um, they haven't got a winery there yet. It's just a vineyard at the moment, but they intend to put a cellar door winery on the place eventually. Okay, um, but incredible to see, and that of course they have to have lots of seasonal workers to do all of the, you know, the bud thinning and the or shoot thinning and yeah. the bud removals and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I've been. I, mean, I, I quite often spend summer holidays in areas of vineyards in Italy, France, and and Spain, and it's just amazing to be in in that that type of agriculture and and the the sheer yeah. the, the scale of it. Just the. I mean, I was in Italy in the summer, as I've said in previous podcasts, and. The sheer scale of the vineyards, just for yeah, everywhere you look, yep. just for mile after mile after mile, uh, just, yeah, incredible. Yeah, I certainly appreciate um, now what goes into making wine. So, you know, in terms of the effort, because of what the what the workers on the ground have to do, I mean, it's backbreaking work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is not the wine podcast as oh, much no, as sorry, I would like it. <laughs> no, no, that's me. That's my fault. That's my showing up my interest in, in wine there. So, yeah, what have you been up to over the last the last week? Yeah, we're enjoying the warmth. Um, we 
did a, another really good gravel ride this week. We've been out um, uh, the, a part of the Roxburgh Gorge Trail that uh, that we hadn't done for a while, um, and we added a bit more of the uh, one of the other trails on just to make it up uh, the distance up. Uh, just a stunning part of the world. I, at the moment, there's um, there's an issue with the Roxburgh Gorge, tra- Gorge Trail where there's this a uh, 12 kilometre section that you they haven't built because of uh, land access issues. So that piece is uh, a jet boat ride between the next the two. So it, if you ever get a chance to do it, um, we haven't done the jet boat bit, but it's a cool idea. You ride half of the trail, jump in the jet boat, they take you down the gorge, then you jump off the jet boat with your bikes and away you go for the second half. So we, we've done some of that. Um, I've been coaching again a little bit um, and I'm off again um, this weekend We're for a, a bit of a break. Yeah, what have you been up to? Yeah, so I, I yeah I've been indoors mainly. I was hoping to get out at the at the weekend to go out for some bike rides, but it was just the weather was just absolutely miserable here. So, um, and yeah, being weak in nature, <laughs> I didn't quite manage to force myself out. Um, so yeah, a lot of time in the shed on Zwift, um, lots of sessions uh, like that. Although after last week's podcast where we talked about our five favorite Christmas or five, five um, Christmas presents that we would like most. I, did, I spent quite a lot of time indoors on the Turbo Trainer watching Danny McCaskill <laughs> videos. And um, I think I've probably seen them all I, I, over the weekend because I spent quite a few hours on the Turbo yeah. Trainer over the weekend. Uh, yeah, what, watch the Lord. He's just, I, I, I know we spoke about him a lot last time, but what, some of the things that he's done and some of these yeah. films that he's made are just unbelievable. You just don't try it on your servo trainer, mate. End up in a pickle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He did. There was one. Um, what was it? I'm trying to remember what it was called now. It was um, Danny Danny Childcare. Oh, Danny Daycare. Danny Daycare. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Where that's he, incredible. Where he, he, yeah. he looks after his friend's little yeah. kid, and they put. Well, I'm sure it's not the real. <laughs> but anyway, he's on a trailer, and the kid's supposedly in the trailer, and they do all these amazing tricks. It's um, yeah, brilliant, isn't it? I actually uh, sometimes yeah. prefer watching his outtakes that, and when he shows, oh, there was one where he was he was nailing, sliding down a log and it took him something like 400 repetitions before he got it right. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. interesting to see what goes on in the background of that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. There was one, there was one that, I'm trying to remember, which I think it might have been Rannex Station. And it was a remote station in Scotland where he, he jumped off the platform onto the train rail. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. I think it is right. I get it, it doesn't matter where it is, but yeah, yeah. somewhere in a remote station in Scotland. And I get, yeah, similar thing where it took him a lot, but he just keeps trying and keeps keeps doing trying and, and yeah. eventually he gets it and he's, you he know, nails it. of course, you're, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah so da- yeah, our hero, Danny McCaskill, just, uh, he's he's quite, quite incredible. But yeah, also watching, the good thing about the Turbo Train is you can find all sorts of ways of keeping the, you know, keeping the time passing as we talked yeah. about previously. So yeah, Danny McCaskill in the video and also watching Cyclocross uh, on the, uh, um, which is really fun to watch Cyclocross awesome again. The, yeah. the, the skill of, you know, the men and the women, the, yeah. the skill that these guys have on the bike and the way that they can control the bike. And you don't really see this. I mean, I've been, I've seen some, been to see some pro cycling cyclocross races. What you don't see on the TV is the sheer speed that they go at as well. It's kind of toned down a bit on, on TV, but the the speed that they come downhill through the mud round the corner is just, you know, incredible. Oh, that's to me is probably one of the, well, in my, my head is one of the pinnacle cycle sports at the moment. It's growing 
slowly in New Zealand. There's a there's a uh, sort of drive to get that as one of the uh, you know the national cycle sports here. Uh, it's a lot bigger over in Europe, obviously, but it, you know if you think about the. It's a sort of in-between between that fitness from the road and the skill from the mountain bike, but then you're riding these things with no suspension and, and fairly skinny tyres. Um, yeah. It is phenomenal. I, I love watching it. I think I prefer watching that than any other cycle sport, actually. Well, yeah, it's more, I suppose, because it's usually about an hour or so. So they're, yeah, they're, yeah. And there's, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of action takes place in them. So Absolutely. There's, not, there's yeah. r- rarely periods of not much happening but yeah there's a big there's a, there's a big cyclocross scene here in the UK and it's growing as well and and we've got some you know superstars of cycle, um, cyclocross now the Tom Pidcock as well he won at the weekend yep. uh, so it's only it's only going to get bigger so yeah fantastic um okay so yeah. let's let's move on on to uh, sharing some inspiring stories and and I I was reflecting back on why we started this this whole Galanac Master Cycling and and one of the, the kind of the main reason really was to encourage people people in their fifties and older to get out there and cycle on the basis that you're never too old and you can always get better you can get fitter you can get more skilled and cycling brings all these vast benefits health wise mental health physical health confidence just how you feel about how you feel about life and. And we've got all these stories from riders, from people that have joined the group, but from other stories as well. So we've both been looking at at those. So Foggy, what, what have you got any that you want to, to pick out and share with the group? Yeah, it's um, it's a guy from New Zealand, um, and obviously I'm pretty New Zealand centric. But um, it's a guy called Kerry Rayburn, and he's based up in Fongaray, which is Northland, which is right up in the North Island top end. Um, I first met him when he came to one of my coaching courses I was running um, and he was encouraged to come along to that just to see what we did and, and to gain a qualification. And then I followed him ever since on on his sort of um, his social media as to what he does. And basically he runs um, uh, para cycling uh, uh, workshops and uh, there's a, an organization here called Parafed. And then of course we've got paracycling as well. And he creates opportunities for young people and adults um, who are suffering from whatever disability it might be to, to get onto a bike of some sort. And of course they've got the, uh, you know, trying to get sponsorship to get a range of bikes like hand cycles and trikes and all that kind of stuff. And he runs um, at the moment, he's running some stuff outdoors on a, on an athletics track with these um, people. And it's just phenomenal to see what he's doing. It's all voluntary. There's no, there's no payment. Um, you know, the, it's not a paid role in any sort. It's they get some sponsorship from my bikes and this sort of stuff. But it's a, it's total dedication, total commitment to try and get people out riding. And one of the reasons I thought I'd tell you the story is I, is trying to organise a trip to to get some of these um, people out onto the cycle trails. So he's he's going to need a few volunteers to help him. And then I suggested that he came all the way down from the North Island to the South and starts riding some of the trails down here. So he's now trying to figure out how he's going to get a whole bunch of people and all this equipment down to uh, the South Island to, to do it. Um, the other part to that is he, he again, all voluntary, managed to secure a great big indoor um, shed, if you like, like an industrial unit um, that they've, him and a bunch of volunteers have completely stripped out um, started to tidy up and create a, a sheltered cycling venue, which has got a flat concrete surface where they can 
they can do these things all year round. So anything is chucking it down with rain. I mean, it doesn't snow in the, in the north in Northland. It's the tropical north, but it certainly gets very wet. So they've put this venue together. So he's got a. I mean, if you ever wanted to check him out, his his Facebook page. It's a strange one. He calls it Stan. So S T A N Kerry Rayburn, and his surname spelled R E Y B U R N. Um, just search him out on uh, on Facebook and have a look at what he's doing. It's pretty phenomenal. I, mean, I guess there's people like that all over the world doing similar stuff, but for me, it was quite inspirational to meet him and actually um, get to know him and stuff. Yeah, these these folk are incredible. I think, and and a lot of sports have them, but cycling, it just seems to be so many people who just give up their a large chunk of their lives, unpaid often, yeah. to do that sort of stuff. Whether it's running kids cycling clubs or whether it's like you know, disability uh, sport disability cycling like that it's, it's, it's phenomenal yeah it was interesting for me as well because I've got involved in that world a little bit with uh, the national sports body because we're now absorbing paracycling uh, the actual um, organisation as well and it's it's learning a language that is appropriate so you know paracycling is appropriate language a paracyclist is appropriate language um, and it's that's been quite a. Uh, even though I've I've been around uh, disability with, with family stuff that we we've had over the years, it, it's still something to learn. You know, it's still something to to find out what is the, the the right language to use when you're working with you know paracyclists and stuff, which is really quite important. Yeah, yeah. I um, it's a slight tangent, but I but I. I when I do some voluntary work up. There's a big cycling facility called Cycle Park in in Gravesend in Kent, and I'm a trustee there. And and we run paracycling activities there, and it's fantastic just to see the the freedom and that yeah. people get the the the, the sheer joy that people get from from that experience. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, yeah fa- fabulous to see. We all, incidentally we all, we also have. A wheelchair athlete who trains there at Cycle Park as well. Oh, cool! Um, and mm. yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's his form can be a bit up and down, but he's he yeah he, he could be kind of world class. Somebody's yeah. done some really good, uh, really good uh, races, and so he again fabulous to see him absolutely belting round in the efforts, the training that he put, puts in. So. Now, any misconceptions you have about para athletes are completely blown away when you when you see these guys and and full flow and the training that they put in. No, it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, yeah. the other side to it as well. I love love to. I mean, you've got to be as a coach in that area. You've got to be really creative to find the the you know the the right things that work for each individual because everyone's so different in that, in not not just in paracycling but in cycling generally. But the the adaptations that that can happen for different. Uh, bikes or trikes is just incredible and the technology these days if you see what goes on in terms of how they build you know even the tandem bikes for elite races um, and the components and stuff they use on those is just incredible to watch so I definitely recommend it get in that world and have a look at it and see what goes on yeah right enough the the technology of uh, thinking of these tandem bikes when they do the uh, the para um, paracycling indoors so in the, in the velodrome you've got two you know you've got two big guys pumping out huge amounts of watts <laughs> they must they must yeah. build them incredibly yeah. strongly to, to survive that I think the technical term is pilot and stoker yeah 
um, something like that. So, but it, yeah, you're dead right. If you you got two two big powerful people on a bike like that, you can get some speeds up. By the same token, yeah. they crash they crash pretty well as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess that's not a very pleasant um, experience to um, crashing on a tandem going at full speed on a in a velodrome. <laughs> I have I have yeah I, I I do cycle on on the velodrome, do some track cycling, and I've only ever come off once, and that was pretty minor. But yeah. Uh, yeah, full speed in a tandem that could be a bit unpleasant. I would have thought. Yeah, so so my yeah my my uh, story is is one one of the one of the joys of of uh, doing Galanac Master Cycling is that from time to time people contact me and share their stories. They don't share them won't necessarily want to share them publicly in the in the group or on the Facebook page. So I've had a, a I've had a couple who have contacted me privately who I've been able to share with the with the group anonymously. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought I'd highlight those. One, one was one was from an ex-soldier, and he he served um, and saw action and has um, post-traumatic stress disorder now and quite badly. And what what he said to me in his, in his email was that the medications they take don't really. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So he doesn't know day to day how he's going to feel, what it's going to be like. And his only way, when he, when he feels a bad day coming on, so he gets up in the morning, feels a bad day coming on, the only way that he can manage it well is to go out on his bike. Right. And cycling is is the way that he's able to manage what is quite a severe illness for him. And, um, you know, I have to be honest, when I, I read that, I, you know, I had tears, <laughs> I get feeling them coming up just now, that, that just that, you know, what, what some people live through and the mm. experiences that they have, and how something as simple as cycling, well, on the face of it, as simple as cycling, can be you know, such a f- source of comfort and and um, help for for some people. So 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 that was one, and I remember I shared that with the anonymously because the guy that sent it didn't want to be identified, and and you know lots of people identified with that, and and um, and I think that's what we want to do with with Galanac Master Cycling is to be able to is be able to say. Look, there's all sorts of people out there who have all sorts of things going on in their lives, and actually, cycling is something that not can not only can bring us all together across the world, but it can also be a huge source of comfort and you know, therapy, mm. indeed for for some people as well. The, the other one I just want to share with you is it's from a, a woman, and she also emailed me uh, a few weeks back, and and her, her story is is that. She'd, she, like a lot of people, she cycled when she was a kid. She stopped cycling when she got into her teenage years and kind of through adulthood. She had kids, um, her family. And when she got into her 50s, she she wasn't very happy with herself. I think she was, you know, she was happy with her family and, and so on, but she'd put on weight. She, um, she wanted to get out. She wanted to be active. And she was anxious about doing it because she was worried about like getting out on a bike. She wanted to go on a bike and she was worried about doing it, about going out in traffic and how skilled she was, what she looked like, what people would think of it. So anyway, um, she was in the UK. So come COVID and lockdown, of course, the streets were deserted for weeks. There was no one out, out there. And I think I've said to you before, Foggy, my, you know, my experience of it is like being the last man standing in the world going out on the bike sometimes because you just wouldn't see a soul where you're used to seeing you know cars everywhere. <clears throat> anyway, so she she took advantage of that and kind of forced herself out there on the bike and started doing it. And 
and she got she's got into it and now she's um now she's out there most days she's doing 150 200 kilometers a week and now you know uk's we've still got kind of semi lockdowns here but the traffic's back to pretty much what it was before so yeah but because she had that opportunity to get out there when it was quiet and safe, she built up her confidence and built up a bit of fitness that now yeah. she's quite comfortable with it. And I think you know it's a fantastic story, anyway, about someone you know who's who's not cycled for you know maybe yeah. 35, 40 years can still get out there and do it and get get into it and be fit and healthy and be happy with what you look like and and who you who you are again. But there is some there's a real message in there for. For politicians, for for local government and sports bodies, about you've got to create the you've got to create the environment yeah. to help people to be able to do it, and yeah. because just expecting people to go out and cycle on the roads is not is is just not good enough. And and then yeah, when I when I go to Belgium or the Netherlands or France or Germany, where they've got this fantastic cycling infrastructure around there, people can. You go, you know, go on cycle paths everywhere. It's not like that in the UK, and I know it's you've got trails and so on, but it's not like not like that either in no. New Zealand. And I think we just need to do much more to encourage our our politicians to to be much more active with that. Oh, definitely. I, I think um, you're dead right. Build build it, and they'll come. I mean, I mean, the built, yeah. the built environment there is what you're talking about. Is the shutdown. So I, I also wonder if anybody's done any analysis on how many thousands of people changed their lifestyle because of COVID in terms of, you know, they got on a bike, um, they went and exercised, that kind of stuff. It would be, it'd be really interesting to see if there were any figures out there in terms of that, because I'm sure the lady you mentioned is not the only one. There are, there will yeah. be thousands across the world, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, it would be great to see, I'm sure there is research going on. There's, you know, there's some really good cycling bodies, around the world in the UK we've got Cycling UK and Sustrans and, and various others that do fabulous work in, in this area so I'm sure they're doing research into it but anecdotally I would I would say that that it's dropped it's dropped off a bit so you know a lot a lot more people were out do it during lockdown than were before and but I think a good proportion of them have kept doing it yeah, as, as far as I you know, as far as yeah. I can see which is which is fabulous about yeah as you say it'd be great to see the see the numbers um, yeah but even if okay. only 50 50 of the people that took it up stayed on it what a massive you know movement that would be it's just fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so yeah let's, so we, we you know we want to do more of this i think let's let, let's keep the stories coming in we'll share them on the podcast and we'll share them on the facebook group and the facebook page and on the website as well because it's you know, I think we're on a mission, aren't we, Foggy, to get, to get oh, more people on the bikes? And, yeah. yeah I, I mean, a bit of advice I always give is it just um, certainly remain remain with the positive stories because I've worked with um, local councils um, and I used to work for a local council in New Zealand for a while. And they, if they're constantly hearing the moaning and groaning about things like infrastructure or I can't do this or why aren't you doing that, then it does get people's backs up. But if we always present the positive side of what we're doing, um, as far as we can, then I think that gets us a lot further in terms of you know what we want to achieve with cycling. Um, yeah. You know, I just think you know there are, there are groups out there that do all the advocacy work, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is fine. But you know, if we can remain with this group as positive as possible and show the positive side of it, that's definitely a, a much better way to promote it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no end of positive stories that oh, we can no, no, we can no, share. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fabulous. Let's let's move on now because uh, the other thing that we're going to cover today is 
is how can we make 2021 your best cycling year ever as we as we come to the end of 2020 and next week we're going to we're going to share our own personal highs and lows um from 2020 but i thought let's let, let's let, let's get in first with make 2021 your best uh, cycling year ever as we as we come come to closer to january so foggy you're a coach widely experienced coach cycled all your life done all sorts of things on the bike so what's what's your advice to, about how you can make next year a really brilliant year on the bike yeah so, so here's a piece of really technical uh, rocket science you ready Ride your bike. Ride your bike. And then ride it again. My my first tip would be uh, to, for you to improve on what happened this year is is just try and ride, even if you're not the you know, you're not a um, a sports cyclist that's gotta get four or six hundred Ks in a week or something, just ride once a week every week. You know, and if you can't get outdoors, do a ride indoors. And, and then if you say, if you, if you look at that, that's 52 rides. Okay. So then anything above that's a bonus. Um, and, and don't, don't worry about the, the distances. Just make sure you've had at least one ride every week. Those who want to do more, absolutely fab. Just get on with it. But certainly if you're struggling at the moment to motivate, there's a target. 52 rides minimum for this year, this coming year. Fantastic. I think there's sometimes it's just the simplicity of it, and and one of the, one one of the reasons why, because I guess we come to New Year and people talk about New Year's resolutions, and it's you know we all know that the resolutions usually don't survive January the second, never mind, <laughs> never mind the uh, the the whole year. And I think often people are a bit ambitious, aren't they, about I'm going to do this and I'm going to going to do that. And I think one of the things is about actually setting yourself some targets that might stretch you a little bit. Are, but are are achievable, yeah. and you you know you can do it if you just make a bit bit of effort to do it. Without saying I'm going to completely yeah. change my life and and do X. And and again, I wouldn't uh, if you're not um, an elite cyclist and you're not into the the world of racing, then just you know the training effect will at 52 rides once a week will only just you know maintain your fitness, and anything above that is a bonus. But don't panic about it. At the end of the day, if you can only do that, that's fine. At least you are maintaining some fitness on a bike. Um, and it's not an overstretch. I don't believe that's an overstretch. You know, I think that, you know, pretty much everybody that's, that rides could do that. Um, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, if you set yourself a goal like that, then when you get into it, when you start doing it and you start enjoying it and you start to see the benefits of it, then you might do a bit more. Exactly. And, and I, that, that's exactly, you know, if, I'll, I'll just tell you a little story about a, a lady that was um, it's one of my dear friends who was um, getting in a real pickle about times. So she, she actually um, set a, a world master's record at the age of 73 in her age category on the, on the track. But she started, she had a, an injury and then she started to go backwards a little bit in terms of times and motivation. So the simple piece of coaching advice that I offered her was put your clocks away, put your garments away, stop worrying about the numbers because the, the numbers don't actually matter, right? At the moment, we need to do more about motivational stuff and, and getting you back into having fun and enjoying it. And what had happened was she, her world had just become numbers 
And because she wasn't achieving the numbers and moving forward, it was just, it, it then exacerbated the problem and went, you know. So um, she did that for a few weeks and hey, presto, came back online, no problem at all. So that, that for me is the, the issue in terms of motivation. If you start, you know, worrying about, I've got to do this many miles this week, I've got to do this many hill climbs, it's just, that becomes a chore. That's when cycling becomes a chore. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, uh, we've talked about this before about, why you do it, knowing why you do it, why it's important to you, and coming back to that at times when you're not so motivated yeah. is really important. And and like yeah, I, I, yeah, that's great. That's great advice and and great to see that works. And certainly, you know, things things that I do and things that I say to other people as well is if you're if you're really struggling for motivation, just remind yourself why you did it in the first place, why you yeah. enjoy it. And for most people. It's just the freedom of going out, you know, being out on the bike, feeling the wind in your face, seeing the countryside, uh, whatever you know. For, you know, different people might have different different things, but sometimes it's the the simple purpose that you can go back yeah. to and just, just remind yourself simple. and experience that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what? So what? What about people that might have some? big targets for the year. So I know, so we've had Stuart Nixon, for example, sorry, the name call you here, Stuart, I'm sure you'll be all right with that, uh, who's um, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. And I know Stuart is is really keen to do the Land's End to John O'Groats ride this year. I don't know how he's getting on with his, um, with his planning for it. I'm not quite sure when, but if you've got something like that, who's, who's got a big, you know, a big target for the year, what, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, so so I actually put one of the things I wrote down was um, for everybody, um, not just Stuart, but is to is to set a goal of doing or trying to achieve one fun event or one event that's important to you this year. And if you set one, then another one might follow. Um, but again, don't put the the pressure on too much. Um, my brother-in-law did the um, that ride, the uh, Lands End to John O'Groats. We did it from Scotland down, so John O'Groats down to Lands End. Um, over a bunch of days with support crew, uh, a bunch a couple of weeks or so, I think it was, with support crew, um, and you know that that triggered off in him a, a whole um, uh, new level of riding in terms of the big the, the big endurance stuff that he does now, and you know he'll do a six hundred k ride or whatever, and um, over a few days or uh, and that sort of thing, and it sort of changed his mindset because he had that focus to do that one event for charity. Um, um, and, and, and then, you know, so I, I, did, I think really with, with something like that, obviously there is a, there's obviously a fitness thing that comes into it, but there's also a mental side of things is getting your head around the recovery side because, you know, day after day on a ride like that, you're not going to have good weather. Um, but at some stage you're going to come across dodgy traffic. At some stage you're going to cross, you know, decent sized hills. So it, it's, it's getting your head around this, and this, the, the psychological part more than the, the physical part, I think, because if you're used to riding distances anyway, that generally, you know, your body will do it. But I would also say, uh, in respect of that, there's someone that's got a massive goal in terms of distance like that, is don't just focus all on um, the distance. Focus on that time you're going to spend on the bike. Focus on uh, developing a new skill or, or enhancing an existing skill that you're not that quite good at. And that could be anything. You know, it could be absolutely anything in terms of, you know, your technique climbing hills, your braking technique, your cornering technique, your, you know, your, your balance skills, your off-road skills, whatever it might be. But just during that period of time, make sure that you're, you're focusing on that. 
And I think that if you take that away from so what Stuart's doing, but just look at everybody this year, um, by the end, you've got 12 months to do it. At the end of that 12 months, let's see everybody achieving and mastering a skill that they've always wanted to master or a skill they're not so good at at the moment or a new skill completely. So there's a focus for the 12 months. Now, so another example will be if you can track stand on a bike and you can manage to stand still for half a second, well, by the end of this 12 months, you need to be doing it for 10 seconds. So that there's a goal for you, just master it. And on all of these things on a bike, if it's the first time ever you've stood up on the pedals, because some people sit standing on the pedals is, is a problem for them, learn to do it within the 12 months and get good at it. If you can't let go with one hand, but you can let go with the other hand, then practice that skill and get good at it. If you can't feed on the bike, then learn that skill. Um, learn how to take a coat off. So if you've already got high levels of skill, learn how to ride no-handed. Um, you know, and so so within any of those, um, and, and that, you know, you can take your time doing that over 12 months and in any of those events, you know, learning that skill will actually enhance your riding ability for any event that you're coming across. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to wrap it on a little bit, but I had a, okay. I set myself a goal a couple of years back. Um, I can ride no-handed, but there was a, a section of, um, uh, on the way on our commute to work. Um, so I used to ride in from where I used, from where I lived to the, the big velodrome in Cambridge and it was only 20 Ks, but there was a big section of around about 5K which is on a concrete, flat concrete, uh, concrete rolling, uh, fast rolling path. It was a cycleway. Uh, and it was split up with driveways. It was nice and straight, but it was split up with driveways. Uh, there was a couple of bends in it further down the, the line. And the goal was to uh, achieve a no-handed ride because it was safe, it was off the road, no-handed ride for the whole 5K Without, stop, without having to stop or slow down for any of the driveways and all this kind of stuff and managing to stay on the bike with, with um, without any problem. And that was my goal. So I did that during the morning commute. So it wasn't just a boring morning, morning commute trying to get to work in time. I had a goal. I've got something to focus on. I can play with it and I can see if I can do it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, it, and it, and it, I think what you're touching on there is also how to make it fun. <laughs> How do you, yeah. how do you, because these are sort of, you know, when I go out, I, I help out my son's cycling club and the kids there, you know, before they go off for the ride, they're all on their bikes, they're all doing track stands and jumping up and down on the bikes and doing wheelies and they're just doing all the fun stuff because yeah. they love doing the, you know, they're showing off a bit, but they're, you know, they're enjoying it as well. They're having, they're having a lot of fun. And I, I think that, you know, going back to your point about, having big goals and you want a big event, whatever, you know, whether you're racing or, you know, doing the sort of thing that, you know, lands into John O'Groats or, or just want to get a certain distance, you can get too serious about it, can't you? And mm. actually trying to have some, well, you know, having fun along the way is, is really important. So yeah, you're, you know, for, and, and being more skillful and confident on the bike makes it a more fun thing to do. You get a sense yeah. of achievement if you build up those skills and you just you, you enjoy it even more. Well, I, I would say uh, definitely this. There's a lot of riders, traditional road riders or road races out there, and I don't want to be too derogatory, but there's a lot of them that have got little skill on the bike. They've got massive engines, and they can ride for miles and miles and miles, but ask them to do something technical. Um, a, key, a key part to coaching kids these days is, is actually playing on the bike. Um, uh, you know, we don't want to be seeing kids being pushed through lots of miles. We want them having the skill base. So... 
you know, they build that by playing, having fun, learning the stuff like Danny McCaskill did on the Isle of Sky. And, and eventually, they, if they want to go into the world of riding long distance, the skill will get them there faster. So, you know, any, any bike racer around the world who has learned mountain bike skill, who has learned BMX skill, who has learned just to play on the bike will be faster in, in any way because they can handle a bike a lot better. Uh, I think I, I can't emphasize that enough uh, from a coaching perspective that even from, from grassroots level right the way through to elite, you should be having fun on the bike. You should be playing on the bike. Um, and also the hardest market to, uh, I think, to, to, to do uh, skill work with um, because of all the, in, the inherent or in, in innate fears that we've built up over the years. Um, you know, from falling off things and stuff, but but it, but they're probably the, the demographic that needs it the most in terms of being able to play. Um, so I think that's that would be a key goal for this next twelve months is is play. You know, and and get that fun factor into it, enjoy it, and you will see a, a difference at the end of the year in terms of your skill level, without question. Yeah, and I I think one of one of the joys of of cycling is about. It, there's there's definitely an element of going back into your childhood. I I you know I have these when I'm out on the bike, like when you know when I'm not on the bike as well. But you have these memories of the freedom that cycling brought me as a as yeah. a child and the sheer joy of it all, uh, of just doing all that stuff of riding up and down the road doing wheelies and all that all that all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I, so actually doing doing some stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just thinking about this with my my cycling club about you know when we go out for group rides or whatever but I'm going to I'm going to start that make a bit of a challenge at the start of it which is right first ten, we're not going to go out riding for the first 10 minutes we're going to just like play games we're going to do limbo Should let's do limbo let's, let's you know do all that yep. do all that track stand competitions all that all that sort of stuff and just have some fun be, be kids again and then, then go out and do the, the long ride afterwards well, I, I had um, I used to take a, a bunch ride out for a number of years um and they're all sort of our demographic. And um, the point was that we went on that bunch riding, which is a reasonably, you know, a good distances that we were riding every week. Um, but the, the, essentially the part of that was a social group that was having fun. Now I'd have them singing happy birthday to each other. I'd have them, you know, doing things while, while we're in the bunch to, just to have a giggle. And then the time goes and the mileage goes really quickly. Um but by the same token, you're actually getting that training effect that you wanted in the first place. Here's a really good tip for you. If you wanted to, um, anybody can do this because of the technology that we've got in our phones these days and what have you, is just film yourself now in January. January the 1st, film yourself uh, doing the thing, the skill that, that you're not so good at. So, for example, let, let's just take that track stand thing, right? So if you, you, you struggle with it a bit, film yourself 1st of January, um, falling off, doing whatever, um, and just having a crack at it. And then film yourself on the 31st of December um, at the end of the year, doing exactly the same skill in the same place and see what the difference is. And, and, and uh, you know, you could do, you can intersect that along the way, do sort of once every three months, film it. But, but if you have that long gap between the two, you will see the massive difference. That's then yeah. huge motivation into the next year. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah, okay. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. These things, those types of skills take time. You're not going to master that um, overnight. You know, you, you may master it in a couple of weeks um, of trying and trying and trying. But that's the point. You keep going, you keep trying, you keep trying until you've got it. And if you can do that filming bit, you'll actually see the differences because a lot of us miss that. We forget what we were doing way back and then 
where we are now. Yeah, and it's just a, a li- you know a little bit, a few times a week, you know, a few a few minutes. Yeah. Three or four times a week, you can build up your skill. You know, just yeah, your skills will just just build up. And I think that last point that you made about celebrating the success as well—it's so easy to yeah to kind of look ahead and see the challenges ahead and not look back and say, "Wow, this is what I've achieved so yeah. far." And, and and I always think with whether you're whether you're more relaxed about it or whether you've got a plan to achieve something is always always take stock regularly and look back and say what have i achieved what have i done wow that's fantastic and yeah. reward yourself you know whatever you want to uh, cake or beer yeah. or whatever you know that, that you know re- celebrate the success celebrate celebrate the progress that absolutely made. that's really important yeah time time is um against us as always for okay. you. so any, any final final tips for 2021 oh, I, I, I could be here all day but um i, I think um yeah I've, I've talked about the measure it measure it so we film it and measure it um I, i'd recommend everyone everybody absolutely everyone that rides a bike goes on a skills course of some sort so if you if you've never been on a mountain bike skills course go and do it this year um and find the appropriate one for you there's a lot in the uk uh, for example i'm not sure about south africa and other countries there's loads there's loads in new zealand i know there's loads in the uk uh, the mountain bike instructor award scheme have uh, people all over the country in the uk that um that run these things go and do a skills course and and start from the from the basics which you, you will even if you're not interested in mountain biking and you're only interested in road riding or you're only interested in trail riding a mountain bike skills course will will be of massive benefit to you so i'll, I'll throw that in this year yeah there's not the there's nothing better than actually going and doing a course with someone who knows what they're doing. It was a good teacher. Do it in a group because it makes it more yeah. fun as well. Yeah. Um, but but you can also YouTube is full of skills training. There's a there's a fabulous one. I can't remember what she's called now, but there's a little girl who does um, these YouTube videos and a little girl in the UK YouTube videos on riding the rollers, and yeah, she basically that. just yeah. does. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I put, can you remember her name? I can't remember her I name. Can't remember her name. Yeah. Um, but if you Google it, I'm sure, sure you'll find it. But YouTube's just full of that. So, you know, yeah, def, definitely go and put yourself on a, on a skills course, but also look at those YouTube videos and just start practicing just these yeah. little things that you that you pick up. Yeah, definitely. okay, fabulous. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Foggy. No that's That's dr- bringing us to a close now. So you, you're off on a weekend cycling trip. Oh, uh, yeah, just really, uh, we've decided there's a new section of trail opening that we don't want to go and explore, so we're going to have a weekend away. Um uh, do, just doing a couple of days riding. Um, it's only two hour drive away, so it's it's worthwhile going and spending that time. So the weather's coming good, so we'll go and do it. So that's very nice. a cool weekend for us. Yeah, fantastic. Very very envious. Well, I'll just I'm just going to keep looking at the weather forecast and hope that the weather's okay. It's going to come right. <laughs> If I can, I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be out there. Okay, great to speak to you as always, yeah, Foggy. And you, mate. Uh, thank you very much, and um, goodbye, everyone else. Yeah, goodbye, everyone.